Welcome to another best of edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James here as we sit in isolation, just waiting for any sort of concrete news about when football is going to be back. So, in the meantime, we're just going to keep bringing you these best of moments from the last four seasons of the podcast. And for this one, we're going to look back at a fairly innocuous night in uh, Brisbane Raw history and talk about the ACL disaster against Ceres Negros in January of 2018. Got a two-part uh, best of for you today. We did a preview that we produced in con- in conjunction with the uh, Brisbane Roar, and thanks to their cooperation with that, even if the end result of the Asian Champions League wasn't quite what it was meant to be, um, there was an interview with Connor O'Toole that you can go back and hear on the original podcast, which I think is back in middle of season two, episode twenty-three, if I remember correctly. And uh, in the meantime, any comments, questions you want us to discuss, uh, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, and the podcast is, is available on whatever platform you're listening to, or possibly Football Nation Radio. In the meantime, um, we'll start off with the preview that was recorded on the Sunday before the match, as uh, Scott, Adam and I were out at Ballymore, so let's get into it and see just how overconfident we were. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Brisbane Football Review as we launch a special series ahead of the Raw's Asian Champions League campaign. We've partnered with the club to produce this podcast, and we'll be with you throughout the campaign this year. For those of you listening to the first time, my name's James, I'm going to be your host, and I'm joined by Scott and Adam. Guys, welcome. Good to see you, James, Adam. So for those of you listening for the first time, we're three fans with a little bit too much time on our hands, so we hope you'll enjoy the show for the next half hour or so. Just a little bit too much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to... Uh, take you through segment one, a preview of Tuesday night's game against Filipino side Ceres Negros. Match day information, Tuesday 23rd of January, 7pm kickoff at Cusack Stadium. And Adam, you, we've just got to clarify the parking situation. Oh, look, we've heard a couple of the different sort of reports about whether the parking will be available. And so the advice that, you know, that, that we've sort of been given is that you know, if, you, if, you need to use pub, if you need to use public transport, use it. Because I think parking will be limited around the stadium. It can be tricky at the best of times. Um, so, yeah, so if you can use public transport, you know, translink.com.au is probably a good resource for that. And, and uh, check it out. It is also a pretty popular workday car park as well. So the parking that is there will probably be taken up as well. So plan sure. ahead. And, of course, tickets are still available, so get in and enjoy what will hopefully be a very entertaining night of football. So we're going to start off a little bit of Asian Champions League history. This will be the Raw's fifth campaign and third run through the qualification stages. In 2013, the Mike Mulvey-led side went down 3-0 on penalties to Buriam United in Thailand after a scoreless 120 minutes. Last year, as we all remember, they beat Global 6-0 in Brisbane before a very impressive 2-0 win over Carlos Tevez's Shanghai Shenhua in China. Adam, what do you remember from... Let's start with the Global game at Suncorp last year. Look, um, to the best merits of that is that, you know, I guess the Raw of stamped their authority that, you know, they, they were clearly better than um, Global FC last year and they, they sort of showed it for, for most part. And, and we also saw, you know, a couple of youngsters make debuts. Um, Nick Degasino sort of made a big sort of impact in that yeah. game. So I think it's a good, a good platform for, I guess, for the younger players in the squad to sort of make impact. It's probably not as formidable opposition as you'd face in Asia. Yeah, that was my big takeaway from the global game was the young guys getting their first taste in the senior squad. Danningham starting at left back, obviously. 
Joe Coletti coming on in the second half still having a big impact. So that was probably my big takeaway because there was a bit of a golfing quality between the two sides. That's right. It was a chance to see some of those youngsters. And I suppose 6-0 as well. I remember there was uh, Nick D'Agostino towards the end had a really good chance. And was it Brett Holman start as well? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> I, know, I know Brandon Borello and Manuel Arana were, the, were amongst the goal scorers. So. Yeah. So it was a very fun night. And then, of course, we went over to China to see what was... I think, again, a lot of people didn't think they had a really good chance in, and they put together what was a fantastic effort, thanks again to Brandon Borello. I think as well, I think that the, my memories take away from Shanghai Shenhua last year was that the whole hype around Carlos Tevez, but they, there really wasn't much um, around him. Obviously, a lot of hype. Obviously, he came with sto- obviously a storied you know, reputation. But it, I think it's also best to remember that this is the best time for the Australian teams to catch out some of these mm. sort of to see better teams because they're still in pre-season while, you know, while the Australian clubs, you know, they've, they've sort of been in season for five, six months at least. And I forget who made the point, travelling from the heat of Australia to the, the colder climate of China is much better than vice versa hmm. for the players to be able to run and they just ran all over Shanghai in that game. Alright, so we are going to focus on Tuesday night now. So, a little bit of information about the opponent. Saris Negros FC won the Philippines League final series last season. It was 4-1 over last year's opponents, Global. They were formed in 2012, and this is the first appearance in the Champions League. They made the last eight of the AFC Cup in 2017. Adam, what's the squad looking like? Um, look, it's, it's a, a squad sort of in progress. They're sort of obviously building towards, um, building towards sort of, I guess, their domestic competition, sort of dominating that. No, funny enough, they've got 14 Filipino internationals in their squad and one interna- Iranian international in squad. So on paper, um, they're actually, you know, I guess they're, they're building towards something within their own sort of sphere, but <coughs> whether that translates... It, Southeast Asian form is very hard to line up against, say, for example, Australia or even Japan or Korea. So it, it's, it, is, it is difficult, but look, they, they will come in quietly confident that, you know, that like, like the Raw did last year to Shanghai Shenhua, that they can actually cause an upset. We've also got a couple of Spanish visa players in their squad who are quite handy as well, including a goalkeeper who's just arrived, along with, a, I think it's Mike Ott as well, he's was playing in Thailand last year, I believe. Yes, yep. in Thailand last year, and he's a quite handy player as well. There's, there's, a, num- there's a number of um, players that you know, have sort of German sort yeah. of origin, played sort of in, in the <laughs> lower leagues and whatnot. You, know, you, might, you mentioned Mike yeah. Ott. Uh, he was Stephen, at 80 and 60 Munich for a while, he wasn't was, he? Yeah. Second division, yeah. Um, Our second team for Stephen them. Schrock's another one who's pretty much their, their playmaker and everything. Right? He he comes with a, a big reputation. And the Spanish winger Bien, Bienvu also as well. You know, they're, they're the ones, I think, to watch for the, for the Raw. All right. So they beat Shan United on penalties last week. Scott, what were your big takeaways from that game? Jeez, oh, where do you want to start? It wasn't <laughs> the greatest of matches, if I'm being honest with you. Um, there weren't actually too many chances either. I mean, it was... I think it was very clear that both sides were in pre-season. That was, that was really obvious. And it wasn't the easiest conditions no, either. No, well, the conditions weren't the easiest, and the pitch wasn't great either. But it was a bit of a dour game. At, then, um, Cerros Negros just got over the line in penalties. Really, I mean, a couple of sky-high penalties from from Shan United way over the crossbar, and they were through. But it wasn't the greatest of games, if I'm being honest. No, look, I think uh, in day, I think it's, it's I guess it. Both teams obviously showed how much momentum to, to mm. qualify. No, neither can give any quarter. Yeah. Tough conditions, man. In Yangon, Myanmar, this time of year as well. You know, the pitch, as I said, mm. wasn't wasn't great. So I think you can only take it on face value um, that at the end of the day, Ceres Negros mm. progress and they uh, earn the ticket to Australia. It will do them a world of good though. That 120 minutes in the heat for their pre-season will bring them forward quite a lot. So they be, should be better on Tuesday night. 
And as you mentioned before, they are coming to Australia with the attitude of, why can't it be us? And I think that's the right approach for them to be taking. Also as well, it it is a free hit for them because at the end of the day, they they will progress on to the the AFC Cup irrespective of what happens on Tuesday night. So I think for them to take a big swing at this, you know, play with no fear and all, I think actually it it can't take them lightly. Obviously, they, they will be well under sort of as far as you know a build team when it goes but you know what with nothing to lose you just you just never know and this, and this is what's the beauty of our game we've seen upsets before Absolutely. it can happen hopefully not <laughs> yeah fingers crossed <laughs> so let's focus now on the Raw and the story that came out from Marco Monteverde about the squad and yep. the fact that three of the four Visa players could uh, take to the field on Tuesday night and they've announced that midfielder Thomas Christensen will be the player missing, or the foreign player yeah, missing. We were talking about this between the three of us during the last week, and we thought it might have been one of Bochak or Ben Kalfala just because of Rezos having one midfielder, one striker, and a winger, but they've gone with the three attacking players, which is maybe shows you the mindset for these two games, I think. And also, obviously, Kristen's is just back from injury as well, so you don't want to rush him back too much too soon. I think the big takeaway from that was the, the headline was you know safety first approach yeah. you know, from John Alwissi that you know you don't want to risk you know Thomas Christensen and you know, potentially you know, a game against you know with all due respect lesser opposition mm-hmm. and then a trip to China to face that you know where he, he is very very valuable to the side so I think it's it would, would have been a difficult choice I think if all four foreigners were fit it would have been a very very difficult choice so I guess it's almost like the obvious one out and I know the fans sort of. Are, you know, sort of jumping up and down, saying, you know, why? But I think you've got, I think you've got to take the percentages on that. And the other thing is they can also change it after the two mm. qualifiers for the group stage if they wanted to bring Christensen in. You just read my mind, Scott. I was about to Did ask I? you about that. Okay. There you go. What is it for you? Yeah, so one of the other things also, I suppose, is with the upcoming A-League trip to Gosford, you do want a leader in the mould of Christensen to sort of take what might be a younger squad in and around the park there. Like the, the other quotation from that article was that there's only potentially one or two players that will play both in, you know, in this game in Gosford. You know, Jamie Young potentially being one of them. So, um, in in that case, you know, it's it, the most important thing at the moment is you know I guess focus on the Champions League, and you know, like I said. It's the the FFA have been sort of less than helpful as far as you know rescheduling games and whatnot. So I guess you, you've, you've got to play as a whole squad. And this is where the return to fitness of a number of players and the squad's depth as a whole will be really valuable. With what? these three games coming up between um, Ceres Negro, Central Coast, and then hopefully Tianjin the week after. That's right. So let's go through, I suppose, a pro- projected lineup. This mm-hmm. is just us sort of doing our own maths here. Goalkeeper, do you go with Jamie Young or Brendan White? No, you go Jamie Young. Jamie, Jamie Young? Yep. All right, so then how would you deploy the back line? We've got an interview so with Connor. With some um, Brendan, I might might have played Brendan White on Saturday against Central Coast, but I think John Lewis has already claimed it's going to be Jamie Young. So anyway. there we go. All right, Let's so go with ahead. the backline, we've actually got an interview with Connor O'Toole coming up for segment two. So stay tuned for that. Do you think he's going to play left back on Tuesday night? I think, assuming all's well, I'd say uh, Corey Brown goes goes on Tuesday night. I think I think if if I'm if I'm predicting, I think it will be a fairly strong line, one of the stronger lines that you'll see. So obviously the the regular back four of you know Hingert, Papadopoulos, Devia, Brown. I think it would be a back four. Yeah, it sounds about right. I think that's pretty much going to be the strongest possible lineup for this game, and then 
the depth players against oh, the rest of the players against Central Coast. The one quick thing to know as well that um, Jade North did play 45 minutes in the youth game on Friday morning, so yeah. he may as well come to calculations, if not for um, probably more for Central Coast. Yeah, really, probably more yeah. Central Coast. Yeah, but you do know. have the luxury of an extended bench though in Asia as well, That's so right. you could wind yeah. up with a few more yeah. players coming in as sort of emergency mm. cover. We are talking about a lot of the experienced players starting this game, but I'd like to see some young guys on the bench as well. If the game is comfortably in hand, to give some of the young guys a bit of experience. We've been paying, you two especially, have been paying a lot of attention to the youth team this season. Are there any players there that you might be interested in seeing potentially have a run? I think the one that we haven't seen yet would be Aaron Ridden. He's been in and around the mix for about a year or so now. So maybe him on the bench for this, may bring on the second half. But other than that, I mean, it's the guys we've seen before. We give them another opportunity. I think Emilio Martinez is still just getting back from a knee injury. So I think Bryce Bafford would be one that'd be be interesting. That, yeah. you know, maybe sort of you know close. He's sort of he's been one of the standout performers for the youth team. So this might be a good opportunity sort of slash reward for for a good youth um, league campaign. All right. So uh, what was I going to say from here? Sorry, I'm just throwing a bit of a mental blank. It's actually quite early for us recording. Yes, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. way early. Yeah. So the central midfield two would be almost by elimination. Then Mackay and Oxborough. Maybe Pepper. Pepper? I think, it's, I think that's a 50-50, though, actually, between Pepper and Oxborough. Well, do you consider Jacob Pepper more of a defender now? Because that's where he's been playing uh, for most of the year. Possibly, but I think with the return of Daniel Bowles and Jade North, I think with the, the regular four central defenders there, at this point, he's probably more going to be in midfield for the Champions League, particularly without Christensen as well. I think, and Coletti's injured, so and he does looking at that... those three in the midfield, or two of three. And he does actually give that sort of versatility where he can fill in at a few different positions, so it could be a useful utility to have on the bench. Oh, de- oh definitely. I'd, I'd say definitely he'd be part. You'd think they'd be part of at least the bench. Um, yeah, fifty-fifty. Whether I think you're right, Mackay is one. It's the one midfielder who partners him. I think that's a fifty-fifty between Oxbar and um, Pepper. Pepper's probably a more suited combination because Oxbar has played more the left side of midfield when he's played. So, and going forward, we've seen Daniel Leck get a fair few minutes in the last. Yeah month or so, would you consider giving him the chance to run at the game early? Uh, more so probably off the bench. I think Fanich will start the game, and Lech will probably be playing again on Saturday in the management. I think he'd do a really good job if he was given the opportunity. I think he's done quite well, actually, Daniel Lech. Making yeah. those runs in behind. It's been really surprising. Well, what we've seen with a lot of these young guys is they haven't been overawed by the occasion. Absolutely not. No. Oh, look, he, it, he in particular has done really well when he's come in. Yeah, no, look, I think, you know, as far as sort of, you know, sort of rounding off the predictions, um, like I said, I think it'll be that, that, that you know, experience from four of, you know, Ben Kalfala, Baltiak, uh, Franjic and Macaroni. I think that's sort of where I would expect the side to be. The one thing on that is Brett Holman variable. Does he start mm. or does Camaro play up front again? That's, that'll be interesting to follow. So for me, I'll be really interested to see if players like Brett Holman, who might not be used in the game in China if the Raw do progress, will he play Tuesday and Saturday? Look, I think it comes down to sort of a question of priority. I guess, you know, if, they, if you go in that one game of um, time of sort of approach, I guess you don't really need to sort of overload all your weapons, you know, as far as, you know, playing at Ceres Negros. So perhaps, you know, just the sole, the sole game, stick him on the bench for, for that game Tuesday night, but obviously definitely start and probably, you know, a very important piece of, you know, puzzle against the Mariners on Saturday. The other thing about the Champions League is, yes, there's an extended bench, but you can only use three players off that bench as well. So It's not a pre-season yeah. friendly where you we just change the team at half-time. Yeah. John Alistair only took 14, 15 players to Shanghai as well, I think, from memory. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple of young guys added in on the bench as well. All right, so we're going to finish off just with final thoughts. Adam, what are you expecting for Tuesday night? Look, I think... Um 
I, I'd be very surprised if the Raw don't win by a clear and comfortable margin. Look, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, as on paper, you know, Ceres Negros they look like a decent team. But I think that I think they're still a couple of levels below what if the Raw show up and do what we expect them to do and play the potential. It should be an easy it should be an easy win. Yeah, last year's kind of a benchmark really. A couple of early goals put the tie to bed and just professionally see the game out. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that the I think early goal for for the Raw, I think they'll, they'll sell things down pretty quickly. The longer it stays goals, or heaven forbid they go behind, that may sort of cause a little bit of panic. But yeah. if they score early, I think it'll be a comfortable night. Yeah, this is a night where I suppose you could look at it as a springboard going forward, where it's a chance to get a few players, you know, build up their confidence yeah. going forward. Because obviously there is still an A League season to worry about as yeah. well, so it's a chance to. I suppose, take care of business. One player particularly, and it might be Corey Gamero, who's coming back from several knee reconstructions, for to score his first goal potentially in this game, if that were to happen, that would be a tremendous confidence boost for him. And we've seen him come close a few times, so I think just once he gets that one, I think that's going to really open things up for him. Alright, that's going to be it for segment one. We'll be back after this with Connor O'Toole. This is a Brisbane Football Review Asian Champions League special. Look. I'm not going to, you know, second-guess anything, but I maintain that at the time we were right to feel pretty confident about the Raw's chances against Saris Negros, considering they had, in fact, beaten Global 6-0 the year before. But anyway, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, if you do want to hear that Connor O'Toole interview, go back to Season 2, Episode 23, and you can hear that. Connor was a fantastic guest for us to have, as I just realised I can't talk, and I haven't got Scott and Adam to bail me out at the moment. Um, yeah, so... Best of luck to Connor in Newcastle, and uh, now we're going to go into the wild aftermath, where uh, less than 24 hours after the full-time whistle, Scott, Adam, and I got together to record our regular Wednesday edition of the podcast, and needless to say, we were all a little bit overtired, a little bit cranky, and a little bit just stunned at the way that the match unfolded. So, yeah, let's hear what we have to say straight after that match, and we'll go into that now. Well, this isn't going to be as much fun as we would have hoped. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review for another week. It's James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Australia Fan Network. Adam, how are we? Well, it's, uh, it's actually been a roller coaster. I think uh, some good positive news on Monday with the Academy, but wow, did we come crashing back to earth with a thud with that performance last night. It's not good. Scott? Not good at all. I don't even know where to start. Well, I really don't know where to start with this one. Well, it's a good thing you're not hosting yeah. then. Let's get started with, well what happened last night, which was at probably the lowest point for the Brisbane Raw we've seen in a fair few years now, where they lost the Asian Champions League qualifier to Filipino side Ceres Negros 3-2 in what was a, just an absolutely shocking night at QSAC, where none of us saw this result coming. No, look, you know, at the end of the day, look... The beautiful thing about football is that sometimes, you know, you expect and expect it. And look, and the f- first things first, congratulations to South Negros. They, they, came with a, they came with a plan. They came sort of, you know, with nothing to lose. And, you know, they, they've been ultimately rewarded. But, geez, you know, Brisbane Raw were, were poor. That's, that's, there's no other way to you can't You can't spin it. You can't screw code. They were poor last night. I, I would dare say that, you know, there are... A lot of players, there's a lot of coaching stuff, a lot of admin stuff at Ballymore's when they were hurting this morning because of that. Scott, so Brisbane, bad, Ceres, good, or as Grandpa Simpson would say, a little from column A, a little from column B. (laughs) We've got to have some fun with this. probably the latter, but I will start with Ceres Negros. They were were really good. They came with a clear tactical plan of sitting back and hitting the raw on the counter-attack, and it worked an absolute treat. 
I mean, Vidakovic, the coach, must have must have really done his homework on the Raw because he his plans worked perfectly to let the Raw push on to them and try and break them down, which they have shown no capability to do this year, really. And then oh, falls over the top again for the Raw. Yep. It was the second or third time this year that's cost them. Well, from our so vantage it's a point... a tactical masterclass, actually, from him. Yeah, from our vantage point, like it was quite clear that it was going to be one of those David versus Goliath-style games where yeah. Seros put you know, six, seven, eight guys behind the ball at any point in time and said, bring it on. Yeah, it worked a treat for him, though. It's not the sort of football I personally enjoy watching, but you've got to give him credit. It worked for him. Well, the, what I always say is, if it's effective, you've yeah. got to enjoy it. I mean, yeah, we've yeah. all criticised people like Jose Mourinho, but in this situation, what else was there to do? Look, at the end of the day, you know, when, when you're going with, you know, where everyone's basically written, written them off, like they were with the bookies, yeah. $26 to win. Yeah. Last night, so congratulations if you picked it. Now, a few there's a few dummy bets that actually did get up, so I hope you spend your money wisely. <laughs> Thank but look you for at the contribution the... to my Christmas bonus, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with, with that, with that said, look, that's always the, the the most the most feared thing to watch is that you know what they came in with with nothing. They, we we watched the game, Scott and I. We watched yeah. the game uh, against Shane United the week before. That was not the same it was side. A totally different performance because wasn't it? I, I think I think being the underdog. Yeah. Actually, works them. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, Tianjin Quanjian, they better watch out because you know if they if they go in the same sort of complacent attitude as what we think the Raw did last yeah. night, and what we they're going to be, be just last year as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, just on that game last week, I actually you know they played a more possession style game where they kept the ball, tried to create openings. It didn't really work for them. This time they sat off and it worked much better for them. I think Adam's right. That's yeah. the well, be- that's their best tactic in the Champions League. Well, that might have been because they saw themselves as equals yeah. to Shan United, yeah. whereas they, you know came in as underdogs, saw themselves that way, and capitalised on it to perfection. So what we're going to do now, we're going to hear from the coach of Ceres Negros, Risto Vidakovic. Yeah, I think uh, after the game, I can say that uh, I'm really proud of my players, especially because uh, we are still not prepared for this kind of games, and we can see in the last 20, 15, 20 minutes, the intensity get down, so... But I think we, I can be proud of them because uh, they they play 90 minutes, uh, they fight, and uh, I think we deserve we deserve the win. So obviously a very happy coach there. He's got to be feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, look, he was, he's quite happy. Like I think, it, you know, he did say, you know, it was a bonus. And you know, I think, you know, when you go in that mentality and you get rewarded, bit bit similar to what like what. What Brisbane Roy did 12 months ago when they went to Shanghai Shenhua, they given no chance whatsoever. And you know, there, there's, there's some joy in that achievement. You know, obviously, like almost conquering. I wouldn't call it Everest, yeah. but you know, for so them it probably would be. For them, well, yeah. Look, and that's the thing is, uh, like what it does for Filipino football as well. I think you know, that it, it's a big moment for them. Yeah, and put that aside, but it is a low point for us. You saw the scenes after the game with their celebrations on the field, how much it meant to them, given what's happening in their football at the moment. It's a big moment for them. Absolutely. What really stood out for me was just how they, as we mentioned before, the balls over the top to the flanks, and just those two wingers that they had, I'm trying to double-check the names, it was Bionvenito and who else was there? There was number nine at the end, Takumi Uesato, those two guys were really dangerous. Just yeah. yeah, I think Mike. I think Mike Ott was the uh, the other winger doing the damage on the other side from memory. So, and you had and you had Stephen Schrock you yeah. know, coming through the middle. So I was so. going to mention he was really yeah. Good shock. He gave the roar a real shock. <laughs> yes. As Scott there's, just there's looks pun, on it. Pun I mean, number one for the day. Yep. 
All right, so we've got to go on to the Raw now, and we're going to start off with a quote from John Aloisi at the press conference when he was asked, what happened? Uh, exactly what you said. You know, we, uh, I didn't think the boys were you know, ready from the start when you look at it, that uh, they, obviously, they underestimated them. I know I didn't. I know I analysed them, watched them, and knew they were a good team, knew they could cause issues, cause problems. But, uh, you know, we even when we went 1-0 up, it just, the players must have thought they were going to cruise through that game. You can't cruise through any football game. You have to make sure that you're prepared and ready for everything. And, um, you know, we were shifting the ball too slow, making it too easy for them. Um, and then, you know, they weren't really causing us any issues, but they, it's, it's, you know, you concede off a set piece, which is poor, fall asleep off of it. Then another long ball, that's a nothing long ball, and we don't deal with it. And then another set piece. And then, uh, you know, we weren't good enough after to come back into the game. So Aloisi is obviously not happy with that, and rightfully so, because <laughs> he just... I, I'm yeah. trying to work out what to make of this. Well, he's obviously blaming his players there a fair bit, but I think he has to take some responsibility well because he did pick this team. And he should. I think if there was complacency in the group, he should have seen that coming. But also, his substitutions. I mean, this is not a pre-season game. You don't make two changes at halftime to just get players fitness and freshness just because you can. Those substitutions, that co- that, that, sorry. That's what cost him here mm. because last year that's fine when you're up 4-0 against Global. When it's one all and you're in a tight game, those substitutions are, are critical. Yeah, so those... Sort of break two chances at halftime, taking off an important player like Brett Holman. I mean, that's... I know you've got to manage his minutes, but you might have to say, we need you for a bit longer out here. See, I could understand it if it was one halftime yeah, change. Not two. Yes, because as the game went on, so... Saras went up in, was it the 75th minute? Just um, frantically looking. No, 65th. 65th minute, yeah. Yep. So, sorry, we're just looking back through our notes from last night now trying to go through the rabble. But 65th minute, you're sitting there thinking, there's one change to go. Like, you could have brought, you, he brought Shannon Brady and you could have argued he could use Gamero as well, but you can't bring him on because you've wasted a substitution at halftime. So, yeah, there's a lot of criticism to go around for this performance. For me, yeah. it actually starts with Massimo Macaroni, yeah. the guy, the marquee striker leading the line, who got a goal in the 35th minute, but I felt was largely anonymous. He's very good at getting on the end of things when players set him up. But if when they're not doing that, he doesn't do anything. He just walks around the field. Or in some cases, stands there. Mm. I think we, it's he needs to offer more up front when, the, when things aren't going right. And there was that moment in stoppage time from Macaroni as well where was it him that just stuck an yeah. arm out and conceded a foul I'm for... going to get onto that later but yeah that was him yeah oh look um, just going on those reflecting on those half time changes to me that that to me again at one all that to me did let off where I think there's that complacency and arrogance because there was a thought that why why would you bring I know he John and Lucy said it in you know that yeah, he had to manage minutes. He wanted to give Jade North some time. But at one all, why would you take off Daniel Bowles? Like, what was the need of, of why going... Why change the defender at yeah, one all? Yeah, at one all. Like, that's just the thing is. That, that, that's, that substitution... I know and I know he said that, oh, he wanted to give Jade North minutes. But you're right. If we were 4-0 up like the script was supposed to go, I get it. But in one all in a live game, I, I almost think... I'm almost certain that they thought, oh, you know, uh, sorry, Saras Negros... We'll run over them in the second half because yeah, we'll, they're not we'll fit run over them because they're not fit as us, they're not skilled as us. And you know what? They, they, they punched us in the mouth and that's where the game was lost, right there. Absolutely. And it was really a second half that just everything mm. went wrong. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to 
touch on now, Eric Bortiak, who was a second-half substitute. And Want to talk about the goals first? All right. Because <laughs> the defending for the goals was disgraceful. I mean, two set-piece goals, that's, that's ridiculous. Something is clearly wrong there. Yeah. That, to concede one from a set-piece is bad. Two is just unacceptable. Yeah. And the second goal, the one ball over the top, we've seen that before. That's very similar to the second goal per scored in December. Do you remember the one? Yep. Long yeah. ball over the top, Keogh to Castro for this yeah. winner. Yeah, it's very similar to that. I mean, there's well, some issues at the back that need fixing. Although, admittedly, you've got to give uh, Bienvenido... Oh, he was, right. he was like, that well. was a fantastic finish as yep. well. Like yeah. That was quality, getting it into the far side netting, yeah. but, you know, should he have even had the chance? He's got to defend Bedl on that, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, not great. And then... Yeah, then there was a set-piece goal yeah. as well to make it 3-1. And then, yeah, Bortiak was off the field. It was just absolutely bizarre. So the numbers we saw on... Mm. We actually first noticed it on Franich's jersey yeah. where the number was peeling off there, and apparently it was happening to Jamie Young yeah. as well. It was Jamie Young as well. And then Bortiak was told to leave the field because the 22 was starting to come off. Um, look, it's It's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. Um, and look, the club has come out and apologised unreservedly for it. And look, at the end of the day, there's not much else we do. That it on look, that game went around Asia and all that. It's it, around the world, really. That image. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, they, it actually did on social media. It actually reached the UK and whatnot. So that that is an image that will soil uh, the Brisbane Raw for a very long yeah. time. If, and look, it's it's not good. It's cheap. It's what what I guess staggers me is that is that they've known about this game for six months that they're going to play someone. Why do they go on the cheap and get on like a on, last minute? Do- yeah, it's, job, it's, it? it's yeah. if I understand if they were in say for example Saras Negros position, think oh we've got a game next week. They've known about this tie for six months. Known about it for a year when they qualified. Oh, yeah, even more. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. But. The case is, why did they go and like go? Why why couldn't they engage with Umbro more and actually get proper, you know, trade even for one game, one maybe two games? Why do they not? This is this is. I think I will we'll touch on it later on, but I think this is systematic for a bigger problem. And now, and this, like I said, everything, all the wax they've been copying sort of around the league that fully deserved because that was disgraceful. Yeah, I can't use the word I'd like to use to describe that, so I won't. But I will say. Simon Hill was talking about this is the worst day for the Raw ever. I think it's right next to that 20 minutes down on the Gold Coast, Boxing Day 2010. That's the last That's It's, low it's point. right there with that. That 20 minutes in the second half where yep. everything fell apart, literally, is as bad as the 20 minutes down on the Gold Coast in 2010. They're right. They're equally awful. The result? Yes. That, you know, deserves yeah. plenty of criticism. However, there is an awful lot of yeah. hyperbole going on, mm. especially surrounding the admittedly, mm. uh, you know, unacceptable application of jersey numbers, but yeah. how often do we see that in other sports? And how often do we see it happen in football? I don't think football? I've ever seen it happen. I've seen it plenty. Um, yeah, ripped jerseys and yeah. whatnot. I've seen ripped jerseys. I've never yeah. seen numbers peeling off the back of a shirt before. Watch a bit of rugby. Hmm. No, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, and I think I've even seen it in Aussie rules yeah. from time to time as well. Like, yeah. yeah, you want to go and say, oh, this is embarrassing, and mm. look, have at them for losing, because yeah. quite frankly... They should not have lost. Like, go back to our Sunday show. We were all expecting a big win, and there was a lot no, of... I, comfort- think, I think I used the word comfortable. Yes. Yeah. But... And it was comfortable after 35 minutes. All right. Yeah, that was a comfortable eight minutes. Again, that's yeah. another thing, by the way. Conceded eight minutes after they scored. That's exactly what they did against Perth. Twice. The minutes are almost identical. 
Mm. So it might be something else to look at there. Mm. And all right, so we're just going to close off this segment. Uh, we'll start off with a quote from John Aloisi about did you sense it coming after Scott asked his question in the press conference. No, I didn't get a sense in training. No, the, it, was, it was a quickish turnaround anyway, so we didn't get that sense. We just made sure that they prepared right for the game. Um, but you know, it didn't seem like when they uh, started the game that they were, they were switched on. Um, and then after it's hard to, to you know just flick the switch and then and, and turn it on. Um, so I didn't get that sense. I didn't even get that sense before the game. Only when the game started that you you're trying to to get them going and and making sure that they do the right things um, because you know we could have got caught pretty early on on the counter attack and. You know, that's what they were waiting for. They were going to defend deep, make it difficult for us, and then try and catch us out. And this is actually what the Seros coach had to say about possible complacency creeping into Brisbane's team. Yeah, it can be. It's not easy to motivate the players when, when you play against uh, smaller clubs. It's a normal thing. I think the, the players, even, even if they know the importance of the, of the game, they, they want to qualify for the Champions League, but they know they are playing against Filipino club and... They cannot be 100% motivated like us. So I think that makes the difference today. So obviously two very different ends of the spectrum there. Scott, what did you make of that? I kind of agree with something John Alucci said. I don't think he took them lightly because he filled with a full-strength side. That's basically, apart from maybe Bochak starting, that's about as strong a Brisbane Raw team as you can field. So I don't think the coaching staff underestimated. Maybe some of the players did, I don't know. But certainly it was a strong team. You can't argue with that. Well... It was billed as a very attacking lineup because yeah. you've got your two marquees starting in yeah. Macaroni and Holman. and Dane Ingham is an attacking fullback as well. And so is Jack Hingett. Yeah. So obviously there was a plan there to attack, but unfortunately it just didn't work out. Yeah, look, that's, that's, that's probably the most um, disappointing thing. And look, um, I'm actually surprised that not more hasn't been made about the decision to um, exclude uh, Thomas Christensen from the squad. I Look, to be honest, I don't think... I don't think he would have made much difference if, if it had gone have. to if it had gone to plan. I don't think it would have. I think it's a, but I think in the situation yeah. in the game situation, yeah, I think ha- having him marshalling the back, you yeah. know, in front of the defence that might have cut out a lot. Especially you know we're talking about um, given the midfield didn't, the midfield didn't work reckon, so well last night. Yeah, yeah. I reckon yeah, Mitch Oxborough was yeah he was yeah. he wasn't very effective. So I, I think into that mix too, by the way. Yeah, and I think if they had a controlled Schrock. Yeah, you know, which is Christensen's job. Maybe there might have been another outcome, but look, it's here or there. That's you know, it is what it is. Stuff. Yeah. So going through the final, let's just say ten minutes. So starts off yeah. with the Bortiak goal. Did you think there was any chance of a second at any point in time? I did say it would be peak Brisbane Raw of old if they had to come back from there, but not really. It wasn't really. They weren't. Oh, they had a lot of possession, but they weren't any clear cut chances, really, were they? Look, I had, you know, I have to admit, I had some hope, but it was fleeting at best. Yeah. Um, I, I think that goal, the goal was almost like false hope. I think, you know, it actually, to be honest, 3-2 actually flattered Ceres Negros a little bit. I thought they, I, that was the golf, you know, up until that goal, that they were clearly in control and you knew then, I think, I think some of the, some of the uh, fans, the 1,200 or so that showed up, I think a few of them, left about seven fifth minute anyway. By the way, Adam, good job getting the uh, yes. crowd guessing competition correct. Yeah. 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 There was a bit One of a sweep going around the media yeah. box last night about that. And we should thank <laughs> the Raw for teeing that up for us as well. Yeah. yeah. On the record. But you mentioned the goal the last 10 minutes. I'll mention a lack of discipline. How many needless, stupid fouls were there that were just... Was there seven yellow cards for the Raw? Yellow cards. One, two, yep. three, four, five. 
Seven, yeah. yeah. Along with the, you ain't mentioned the macaroni incident where he just shouldered the guy for no reason in injury time. I mean, can we show some discipline, please? Yeah. You're chasing the game. Stop giving away needless fouls. That uh, really gets on my nerves, that. I know I've mentioned it before, but... Well, consider this. Out of the seven yellow cards, four of them came in the 70th minute or later. Yeah. After they were That's... two goals down, basically, so they've just mm. lost their heads again. And... Frustration is one thing, but don't take it out like that. Play the game. Yeah. Well, I yeah, noticed I know. early... That's not the, that's not the raw mm. way to do carry mm. on like that. Well, I noticed early in the second half there was a lot of frustration creeping in, probably because there was a bit of an expectation there's that... that big confrontation just after halftime with Franich and a couple of the other players as well. Yeah, so... <laughs> I think it... you might say that Saras Negros got the better of that little confrontation. Yeah. That's, that's actually probably the, one of the more disconcerting things as well, is that, you know, that they actually... It's like the Raw sort of stopped playing almost because of that, um, that sort of confrontation. And they actually came out at the better. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the first time that we've seen interruptions, distractions or something in the game and all of a sudden the Raw on the, on the yeah. uh, worst end of it. Yeah. But you know what? The one thing that I always remember about the Asian Champions League is the fact that when you see a team with you know a one or two goal lead late in the game, there starts to be a lot of play acting. I didn't... No, I didn't really. notice a lot of that. Like it was actually a case of yeah. let's just close this game. They ran out. the ball into the corner once in stoppage time. That was it. Oh, but no, there was no running. like rolling around on the ground <laughs> yeah. like you've seen with other mm. Asian teams. No, there was none of that. Yeah, some of the biggest clubs in Asia yeah. adopt that. Sort no, of... look, there's a lot. There's a lot to like and a lot to respect of that. You know, I know for us, uh, it's it's a sort of a, it's a almost a dark day. I, I'd say with the utmost respect. But uh, and that, that's overshadowing a lot. But look, there's a lot to like about Saras Negros. And you know what? I think. A lot of people will be hoping they can do the job again seven, in six days' time against Tian, Tian in Tianjin. Yes, well, I think we're going to close off this segment by saying best of luck to Sarah mm. next week. I think you've won a fair few fans with your display here. So, yeah. all right, there's still a lot more to unpack from this Champions League game, but we need a little bit of a break, so we're going to come back and discuss it later. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but we'll have to go look at the um, the video of the game and reassess and be objective about the game and then uh, look at our next game, which is Central Coast. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review segment two. It's James Scott and Adam here, and that was Jamie Young in the mix zone after the game last night. Adam, right... What was going on with Jamie Young? He didn't seem happy at all. No, look, and uh, I, look, I think that's reflected. And one thing I want to say in the fallout as well from social media is that if you fans out there for a second think that that they're in the office of Baymore today or you know, laughing up, thinking they're having a great time, you've got to be sadly mistaken. What, what kind of human beings are you? Like, they, these guys are Is anyone Jamie... really thinking that, though? Well, yeah, judging by some of the tweets, I think they think they, they are. Because the, the way this, the, the full frontal attack has been from those who have agendas, I think, I think they actually think that they think it's all a joke. Now, that, that, that quote from Jamie Young, and, he, and just the truth be told, yeah. that was probably about, I reckon, an hour, hour after the game. After the game. And he was still shattered. He was really shattered. Now, and look, we've, got thank, we've got to thank Jamie Young actually, you know, fronting up actually talking to us yeah. in the mix zone last night. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. clearly shattered last night. And, and like I said, he probably, of all, was probably other than conceding three goals, is probably least to blame. Yeah, he's been one of the world's better players this season. Yeah, and this clearly does mean something for a lot of guys, even if it is just boiling down to the fact that 
a lot of these guys are looking for a job next year, so they need to put together as many good showings as they can because... Well, they're running out of time. Yeah, that's it. You took the words right out of my mouth there, Scott. (laughs) So... You can't have them back. This segment, we're going to focus on the fallout from that, and Aloisi actually said after the game that there are going to be changes, and this is actually what he had to say after that. Oh, look, there's, there's always pressure on a coach, and I answered this question earlier. Um, someone, uh, Nick Meredith from Fox Sports, uh, said, well, you know, there'll be a lot of talk. Is it time for you to leave? I won't walk away. I don't give up. There'll be changes, that's for sure. Changes within the football club and changes uh, within our playing squad. Um, if uh, the people up above want, us, uh, want something different and they don't think that I'm the man to take them forward, then they'll make that call. But I won't walk because, uh, you know, we had one of our best nights last year in Shanghai, Shenhua, uh, in China, and I was part of that. Um, I was part of a side that should have won the, the Premier's plate on the last day of the season. Um, so I know that uh, there's work to do. I know that we're, we're working towards uh, making sure they were prepared for next season. And we still got this season to play for, and we have to make sure, and the players have to make sure that uh, every time they step out onto that football pitch, that they're ready to go. Because if they want to be here, um, I'm more than happy for these players to be part of it. But if they don't, then you know they. I'm sure that next year they'll be different. That's a very defined John Aloisi there saying that he still feels like he's the man to lead this club forward, and that is in line with the backing that he's received from the last in the last month or so. And he's absolutely right. There has to be changes. What they are, we'll get to later on, but something has to change after that. That's If that's not a tipping point, I don't know what is. And look, one thing I do agree with in terms of a lot of the, well, frankly, social media outrage we're seeing after this is the fact that words are cheap now. It is time for action. We've heard these words before. Yes. But last month we heard these words and nothing's changed. Yeah. yeah. And it's all well and good to say there are changes. And... Some of the quotes also about, you know, do the play, does, uh, talking about the player's attitude, I think is the right w- yeah. word that I'm trying to come up with here. Do you, where, How much does it mean to these guys going forward now? Is it, it's just down to pride. Oh, look, it has to be something. There, there, has, there has to be something. And look, there's, you know, the, the club is, at the moment, I think, you know, as a whole, is hurting at the moment. You know, there's, there's a lack of faith. You know, and anything that sort of that uh, that John Lewis is doing, you know, it's probably the, he's doing the best of intentions. You know, he's he's trying to put the best team out there, but something is not clicking at the moment. And I don't know, I don't know if it's you know, underlying where the problem is it's so obvious that it's ridiculous. But look, as you guys said, it's a time for action. Words, no, the the words are no longer resonating with the fans. And 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 look, and I know I, I had a big whack at them before, but I I like I said as a fan myself. I understand their frustration. Yeah. I think it's I think it's understandable. I think that you know they are sick and tired of this rot. You know, and I guess well, they're that's, sick and I tired guess, of this rot. I, I, is... guess, I guess just one last point on that, and I guess that's you know the one thing that gives me as a fan faith about the, the fan base in general is that you know what, the moment they stop caring, the moment they're getting disengaged, and they say just don't, they just stop caring, that is when we're in a serious problem. Yeah. At I, the moment, yeah. at least there's still passion from the fans, and hopefully that message is getting loud and clear at Ballymore, that, you know, something has to give, I don't know what, but something has to. And in terms of Aloisi's job security there, I think it is totally fair to be asking questions about it. I think so, yeah. But I still don't feel like it's a clear and cut direction either way. You have to say, you have to, if you're going to review the club, that includes everything. Uh, The review should start right now. But 
If not earlier, but definitely now. I'm still going to stick with what I've been saying for the last couple of months in that Aloisi has gotten some stuff wrong this year, but I don't think there's been anything overly fireable. What I do think, though, is that without, you know, naming names, there are a couple of players that have... I I think we've named a couple of them earlier in segment one. But, oh, I'm just talking about in general. There has to be at least one or two players that have probably played their way out of the Brisbane rule. Performances like that is what gets a manager to sack. And I'll go back to what I said. I said a month ago after the Perth game at home, just before Christmas, that game, I said he's got a month to fix this, including the Champions League qualifiers. Now, those have gone wrong. Mm. So... Now, if now is the time when you sh- maybe maybe things should be on the table, it certainly brought up for discussion. I again. think everything should be on the table right now. It what, should be. What decisions you make, that's up to other people. But it's a it's a fair debate to have. Yeah. Now, look, yeah. I'm still going to stick with keep Aloisi on because if nothing else, you've signed him for three years. I would hope that there was some sort of plan for those three years, relating you know even to the biggest picture of getting through this year with split venues working at Ballymore and eventually moving to Logan, if it's still going like this, you know, give him the off-season to get it right and bring in players that will hopefully show the passion that we're used to. At some point, losses and performance like this become untenable, though. Absolutely. I don't know when we get to that point, but at some point, it's going to get there. I've got got beyond that in that at at the moment, I think to to sack Johnny Lewisi... All you're doing, unless there is a... Look, I don't think there's any any coach in the world at the moment that can salvage this. And I, that's why I, I think he needs and to I, stay. And I think all you're doing, if you do sack him, all you're doing is kicking the can down the road at a cost of several hundred thousand dollars to pay him out. Because General Wilson is quite clear in that quote. He ain't quitting. No matter how much they get outraged on Twitter, no matter how much they knock on the door, and no matter how many walkouts or whatever, he, this guy is not quitting. So so I think at the end of the day, to, 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 to sack him... It's going to be a very, very expensive can down the road because I don't think anyone that's available as a coach, and I don't think any coach in the world, it wouldn't even bring you know, a good hitting or someone to save, save this at the moment. I think this is this far gone. If they're going to sack him, it should have been done if in If you're going to bring December. a new coach in, it's with a view to next season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then again, but what's, what's the point? Like I said, I, I think that General Wissey has at least enough points to yeah. say, you know, you know what, so, he at least gets the end so, of the season. But I think I'll... all bets are off. The moment, if if things go completely pear shaped, I think all bets are off come April or May. Well, we're going to yeah. co- we'll cover that a little bit yeah. in segment four. The only thing I very quickly want to say is it does compare to Boxing Day 2010, and that was the last time we had a real proper clean out. Yeah. So maybe it's time for another one. And you but remember anyway. who the coach was sitting on that sideline that day? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And look, we're not going to say Aloisi is in the same tier as Andrew Postecoglou. I think it's quite clear that Aloisi is still learning as a manager, mm. but as he pointed out. He's had some fantastic moments as raw manager, yeah. and they've just seemed to have been thrown away. And I reiterate, this is a fan base that had people calling for Mike Mulvey to be sacked on the way to the double. This had people calling for Ant Postacoglu to be sacked in the middle of a 36-game win streak. Yep. So, all, all because, all because it's a vocal minority. Yep. But there, at times like this, that vocal minority does yeah. pick up a lot more steam when the fans are quite disgruntled with the results. Mm. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of the fan base, do you want to move on to some of the interactions we've got over the last 24 hours through our yeah. social media? Yes. We've got a lot to get through here. We should thank everyone for sending stuff in. <laughs> I'm not sure we'll get to everyone's today, but certainly thanks for sending stuff in. We'll start with the email from James Gray. And he's got four topics he wants to talk about. Firstly, about the squad. He says, it's an opportunity for a genuine clean-out. Lots, the loss of Broich plus most of the attacking players from last season, along with the older guys, has not really worked. He thinks it's time... 
they're wanting to go for a youth development style like Central Coast. And I'm totally on board with that because you consider how there's what 17 players off contract yeah. at the end of the year. You're actually in a pretty good position, yeah. all things considered. Well, with this the is squad. why if you were going to change a coach, it would be a good time to do it because he could bring in a full squad of his own. But you're right, whoever gets the job next year, well, whoever's coach gets, next a, year, gets a fantastic chance yeah. to change the squad around. So anyway, uh, back room. Point yeah, three. I Scott. definitely think there's a, there's a chance for some changes there. There's already one we know about with Craig Moore leaving. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more. There was an SBS point. story that's just come out about Craig Moore being yep. placed on gardening leave. Yeah, and he yeah. basically, um, by, by well, not by sense, but according to the article... Dave Lewis from SBS. Yep. Getting quotes uh, from Chris Fong. Yeah, Chris Fong's basically laid the blame on the jersey fiasco on him. Look, to a point, yeah, that, you know, being the football you know, football director, you know, yeah, that, that's probably fair, but there's a few other quotes once to go in the whole article. Yeah. But um, a few points that sort of, I think, contradict in terms and... Um, yeah. Yeah, look, make your own judgments, I'd yeah. say, on the Dave Lewis article. And then the only light-hearted moment from last night's press conference, I said, what dropped me to do everything? Yeah. About the jersey, so. Mm. <laughs> and actually, the other light-hearted moment was, of course, the ACL podcast we produced on Sunday, and <laughs> I don't think we're getting invited back for any yeah, of that now, because we could be a bad luck charm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we're getting invited back anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so maybe yeah. it's all our fault. Yeah. Um, the only other part of it, the fourth part was about the owners. He says the hardest issue to fix, but where do we stand on this? Oh. Is it do we need? Is a change of ownership the answer? Or is it well? Where do we need it? What where do you go with it? Well, I my big point is, you know, there are lots of calls for ownership changes, including from former club players and employees like uh, yeah. Eric Pardalu. No, it was Milan oh, Susak. Milan Susak. Sorry, my mistake. But why not? Is that going to give the immediate short-term fix a lot of fans are hoping for? It's not like they can come in and say, "Oh, Ronaldo's unhappy at Real Madrid. Let's sign him as a marquee." And also keep in keep in mind, City have you know the richest owners in the world, Melbourne City that is, yeah. and they are still an inconsistent basket case from time to time. Take a look at their streaks this season. There's, there's even one point I go beyond that, and there's this whole rumour, you know, about I thought that was pretty about, extreme from me. Yeah, <laughs> about Celtic, you know, taking over. Well, that was one of the I rumors, say was, be it? careful what you wish for because if you think that Celtic can come in, and I don't know much about the deal, but this is what I, I would envision that it would come out. They're not here to prop up Australian football. They're not here to be the, save, the messiah. They're here to fill their own pockets, you know, take the best kids yep. that we have now, newly established academy, and, and play them in Scotland for their own benefit. And I would almost go as far as saying that they would then you know we we would end up being Brisbane Celtic, and then I tell you what, so you yeah. you basically wipe out wipe out all history. And I'll like, be honest, I don't look good in green. No, I, I look. <laughs> I'm you know I'm I'm not a Celtic yeah. fan. Yeah, why, would, why, yeah, why, why Celtic would that be? I know one. I know there's been yeah. people that have have said that you know they they would be against any game change because of our of the Raw's identity and all that. But if you're calling for them and they they seem like the most logical sound you know potential investors. Well, there was you the will, Russian link as well. Yeah. well what, if they were, as well. what if they were? What if the mm. Raw were the ones bought out by Manchester City and City Football Group? Then there would have been Brisbane City with blue and white colours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Is, is that. That, look, I'm, I'm not saying that. Look, the backries are, are great and all that. Far from it. But at the moment, I just, I just don't see any viable options. You just don't sell to the to to the highest bidder, even the yeah. lowest bidder at the moment. You know, it's just, well, they're not a, interested in selling anyway, so it's a mm, moot point. Yeah. Well, there's no interest in selling unless someone gives them yeah. the right price, which is like saying, well, 
I, I'm not interested in selling my car unless someone gives me $100,000. Yep, they, they want to basically recoup all the losses. And one point actually that uh, came up on Facebook from Ben Archer, as you know, I think that more importantly the question is, as fans, where do we go from here? Do we continue yeah. to spend money supporting owners who clearly don't give a blank about the success <laughs> of the club? Do we direct our frustrations at John Aloisi? Do we keep chanting swear words at security till the entire den gets evicted? Now, that was an issue on Thursday night, which yeah. we genuinely don't have time to get into, unfortunately. No. But... Yeah, David De Silva. It's a good question, actually. What, yeah. where do the what what stand do the fans take from here? Because I think it, there's some there's some talk about some boycotts and the rest. But it'd be very interesting to see what the fan base does from here in terms of how yeah. they react. Because I think it's going to be if they don't win in Gosford on Sunday, it could be a very interesting atmosphere. Well, for the again, City there's, game. I'm going to throw a tease for segment four. There's a point here that I want to talk about that someone's going past home with some sort of strange horn, hmm. but. Yeah, it seems to me the consensus is something needs to change and it's either the coach, the squad, or the owners. So, again, that's all well and good to say something needs to change, but until we see it, it's I think we're right to be a little bit sceptical. And frankly, for the rest of this season, in terms of the A-League, it's just hope yeah. for the best. But what, what troubles me more than anything else is you've got club legends like Matt Mackay who were... Quite it could on, be his last season, mate. Yeah. Go with a bang, mate. Yeah, well, that's go what he on, said. Go out at the, It'd yeah, be a shame. It's a shame to see him go out yeah. in such yep, poor circumstances when you remember how important he's been for this club from day dot. Yeah. That iconic image after we won Orange Sunday on Orange Sunday. The equaliser. The equaliser. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where he's yeah. just running around, yeah. heads in the air, looking up, going, that, 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 oh, that's, my God. That's almost, yeah. that's almost statue-worthy. Yet it's 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 kind of troubling to see him sort of you know deteriorate almost as a player yeah. to a point you now so, where you know, it's it's copying more criticism than good. In terms of frustration, you can see that in his game yeah. right yeah. now. Like he yep. he doesn't yeah. look like a man that's enjoying his football he right now. Doesn't. No, exactly. But uh, that's the one thing I would say. You know, if you want to yeah. get some goodwill going forward, if this is Matt McKay's last season and. Frankly, I'm just guessing here, but then he, he, he announce it right now court. and give yourself the chance for the Matt Mackay farewell tour, yeah, or just something because look, I still like the guy. It's oh. been uh, he was a captain for what was the best season we've seen, and yeah, I just hope that yeah. it do- that this doesn't yeah. wind up being what he was remembered by. Moving on to another couple of comments, one from Nice Oranges. It's time to start thinking about building for the next season. I agree with that. Yes, I'm not even. I, I know there's ten rounds to go in the A League. I really don't care. It, seriously, would would what would making the top six do right now? Well, it, it, depend- would pa- it would paper over the cracks, right? It would paper over mm. the cracks yep. of a poorly planned season that ex- it been executed poorly. I generally think it it hurts, but I think the season has to end in thorough disappointment for the genuine change that need to happen to occur. I I don't think finals is actually would be even be worth it to be honest with you. Well, because can you see they're all winning the finals? Because no. second and six are varying degrees of failure. But I would just say, as a counter to that, depends on how they get to the finals. If they do it with the current squad, with a bunch of guys that aren't going to be here next year, then yeah, no, right, I'm a, totally no, wrong. And you know what? James, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to call time out on this discussion here. Yeah. We're going to come back to this in segment okay. four because we're actually going to about forty minutes on the show already, and oh, we okay. actually have a much more fun yeah. discussion to get to in segment three, where we talk about the W League. Also, say thank you everyone for sending those comments. Yeah, yeah that, we appreciate. It. We couldn't get through all of them, but we appreciate it. <laughs> there was been a big way first too many of segments. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back after this. This is a Brisbane Football Review. All right, and that'll be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. That was the. 
best of. And while we accept, you know, it might not have been the most fun memory to look back on, it was a huge moment for the Raw, for better or for worse. And um, yeah, we honestly were pretty happy with how we covered it as well. So there is that. And um, we'll share a very quick story as well. After the match, doing that press conference with John Aloisi, I think... I've never feared for my life dealing with John Aloisi. He was a very nice man towards us always, very respectful of, you know, what we did, you know, being fans just trying to provide a little bit of extra coverage for football. But I was about as close to petrified as I've ever been for him after that game because he was genuinely annoyed. And I think, you know, myself, Scott and Adam, at least down there at the press conference afterwards, we were all petrified of asking the question that would set him off. And and thankfully, you know, it all turned out to be a fairly civil press conference, despite how clearly frustrated and irritated Aloisi and pretty much everyone involved with the Raw rightly were. But um, yeah, that was the Raw's last Asian Champions League campaign, although we hope that when football does resume, we will be seeing them back on the continental stage before long. In the meantime, we're just going to keep holding out for something concrete to talk about here, and we hope that you know, you've also enjoyed the anniversary of Orange Sunday 3, which we would have loved to have reminisced about with you as well this week, but... Unfortunately, with not a whole lot else to cover, we decided to run with another best of. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back later on. This has been the Brisbane Football Review.